Good morning, fellowship. As we begin worship the second Sunday of Advent, we do so considering the testimony of Jesus uh, entrusted to John for the persecuted churches of Asia Minor, also known as Revelation. This testimony strikes the ears of God's people in the time between Christ's first coming and Christ's second coming, the time between the already of God's shalom breaking into creation and the not yet of alienation and hostility, and genocide, and war, and persecution. 
It's a time when sin and death and darkness threaten to uproot them. A time when false teaching threatens to uproot them. A time when the Roman Empire's quest to sustain domination over conquered nations like Israel threatens to uproot them. And a time when suffering and persecution threatens to uproot them. At Advent, like God's people in the first century, we find ourselves contending with perhaps different threats, but the end is the same, to uproot us. What threatens to uproot your world, your life, your relationships, your body, and even your own soul? And just as Jesus said to his people in the first century, he says to us today, I am the root. I am the root of Jesse, and blessed are those who take refuge in the promised son of David who sits on the throne. O oh Christ, our Christ, O oh radiant dawn, the light in the darkness for a world yet groaning for redemption and restoration, in him is our peace, even as we long for his return and for all things to be set right. And so this morning, amidst the groans of creation, we lift our voices, we lift our praises to this Christ. Friends, in our praises this morning, in our prayers, in our celebrations, and in our study, we get to taste and see that the Lord is still good. And so blessed are those who take refuge in the promised son of David, who still sits on the throne. Would you stand and sing with us?
seated. Friends, in this Advent season, we are in the pattern of lighting our Advent candles, and today we get to light the second of those four candles. But before we do so, let me remind you of the, of the pattern that we are in, in case you missed it last week or have already forgotten. The first bit is rather simple. I'll invite you in just a minute into a bit of liturgy where I'll be the one and you'll be the all, and we'll do a little call and response things like we often do. Simple enough. But after that... We're going to engage in a chant. And as Jess said last week, we are probably more familiar with chants belonging in the sports arenas lately than we are experiencing them in church. And so, for example, you may be familiar with the football chant that says, who's got it better than us? (laughs) There you go, right? Okay. We're familiar with it in sports, less so in church, even though it's been in the religious arena way before it's been in the sports arena. And so we will have our chant that we'll do together in just a minute. And the chant will begin with a drumbeat. Okay? And if you remember last week, we thought we were going to do this with a back and forth, north and south kind of thing, but I was way too excited. Maybe you were like me. I just did all of it, and maybe you did too, but that's what we're going to do this time. You're just invited to do the whole chant together. So after the call and response, we engage the chant in unison alongside of the drumbeat. But it grows, okay? It goes from level one up to level four. Level one is more like an excited whisper. And then we move up all the way up to kind of uh, an excited full voice, okay? So let's practice that a second before we do it for real. We'll do it with, in Advent, we wait, okay? Starting with an excited whisper. You ready? Level one. In Advent, we wait. In Advent, we wait. In Advent, we wait. In Advent, we wait. Very good. Okay, now you're ready, and we can do this for real and do so prayerfully. People of God, Christ has come into this world, and Christ will come again. And so today, we light the second candle of Advent in peace, seeking the true shalom, the kind of peace that Christ promised to bring in completion at his second coming. And so we pray together responsively. O radiant dawn, you shine with warm brightness and clean freshness. Dispel the fear of night. Brighten the earth and brighten our lives with the sunrise of shalom on the horizon until you bring all things into the harmonic goodness of your kingdom. For the name of the one called light of the world, Christ our Lord. Amen. Root of Jesse, reach deep down and stir a hope. Even so, come Lord Jesus. O radiant dawn, Dispel earth's darkness with sunrise of shalom. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. O King of nations, unite your world in joy of your reign. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. O Emmanuel, child of promise, stay with us in love. Even so, come, Lord Jesus.
friends, this morning we have an opportunity to engage in a prayer practice called Visio Divina. We've done it a few times before in our worship service, so we'll refrain from explaining it all, but I do want to point out that we have a prayer practice card that you may have seen with your bulletin. Um, it actually has the image on it that we'll be using this morning, so if you find it helpful to use this in this prayer, and it's also on the screen, but if you want to kind of look at it a little bit up close, use the prayer card. This will also guide you if you want to Practice this with another image. There are some instructions on the back about how you could do that and take this into the next week and months in your devotional life. Um, our friend Jeff Heisman is very familiar with this piece that we will be studying, and so he's going to guide us through some of this, and we'll give you opportunity to engage um, silently in prayer with God as well. In 1998, a Benedictine monastery in St. John's, Minnesota, did something that had not been done since the invention of the printing press and they commissioned a completely handwritten and hand-illuminated edition of the Bible. It's called the St. John's Bible, and we are looking here at the opening illumination to the Gospel according to John, the vision of the cosmic Christ becoming flesh in order to dwell among us. The artist has used ancient gilding techniques to show Christ in radiant 24 karat gold. The background of the cosmos behind him is based on imagery from the Hubble Space Telescope. As a congregation, we started 2003 in Matthew's Gospel, looking at Jesus as our teacher. Here in this image, we're reminded that before he was our teacher, or our savior, or our friend, Jesus is, Jesus was, and Jesus always will be Lord. Jesus is a darling baby in our nativity sets. We often speak of having a personal relationship with him. But for these few minutes, as we fix our gaze on this image of his radiance, what stirs inside you? This is the incarnation, God in the flesh. The squalling baby in need of breast milk and a diaper change is found under a star he himself placed in the heavens. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace, and truth. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. The sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. As you look upon this image and ponder these texts that have been read, we invite you in a moment of silence to notice what you notice, to ask the Holy Spirit to draw out something that you need to see and perhaps even be seen by the image itself. What feelings, thoughts, actions, or interactions emerge as you meditate upon this image? And can you turn that into a prayer to God?
trembling stand under nothing earthly minded for with blessing in his hand Christ our God to it is because the word took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood. It is because Christ 
took on flesh for us and for our salvation is because of his life, death, and resurrection that we have peace with God and peace with one another. So the peace of Christ be with you. Would you please rise and pass the sign of that peace with one another as you are able. I guess I passed a little too much peace this morning. <laughs> Good morning, fellowship. My name's Tiara. I'm one of the pastors here at Fellowship, if I've not yet met you. Um, and welcome to worship with us this morning here at Fellowship, where our mission is to love God and others as an accepting community centered in Christ and focused on developing faithful followers of Jesus. If this is your first Sunday with us, um, if you're new with us, maybe you've been here for a few Sundays, but you have not yet, but maybe are ready to take the next step to get to know us a little bit better as a community, we would love to meet you. Uh, we'd love to um, connect with you and to help us do that. Um, in the back on the small tables are something called connection cards. They look like this. You can fill one of those out and you can take it over to the Welcome Center and there's some great folks there who would love to meet you and greet you by name and help you to get to know us a little bit better too. This morning, um, we don't have any announcements, but we do have several celebrations. Um, there's been a lot happening in our community over the last several weeks. Um, for instance, uh, throughout November, we partnered with local mission partners, Bethany Christian. Uh, we partnered with the West Ottawa Food Pantry. We partnered with Hand to Hand um, to, um, through um, generous support of this community um, and also people that you invited into this with us to um, offer gift cards and personal hygiene or household items food items, um, even gifts for um, kids and their parents. Um, and I'm excited to announce that we actually met every single one of those goals through your generosity. So thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> Um, this past week, um, next celebration, this past week, we hosted our Kids Hope Banquet. Uh, thank you so very much to Diana Fonseca Pena and the amazing team of volunteers who hosted um, not only our Kids Hope families and their students, but also our Kids Hope mentors for a really, really fun banquet, really fun time right here uh, in the gym. Uh, so thank you for those of you who were able to be a part of that and also for those of you who um, have contributed your time throughout the year um, to walk alongside a young person. Uh, my favorite part of the night, the, one of the gifts was like these uninflated, like completely deflated, like soccer balls, basketballs, footballs, um, with no air pump whatsoever. An hour into the event, there's at least like two dozen balls flying through the air. I have no idea how people inflated those balls. <laughs> uh, so super fun time. Uh, and then lastly, our Hope Christmas store was yesterday. Uh, special thank you to Stacy uh, Hoy and the dozens of volunteers who decked out both the atrium and the gym to um, offer 
offer families an opportunity to purchase gifts for their loved ones. Um, so thank you for joining us for that. And thank you for your many contributions to the gifts that would make people smile this season. So thank you again. Thank you for your generosity. Um, as you can see, over the last month, um, our generosity um, has not only looked like um, financial gifts, um, but it has also looked like very tangible things that could bring joy to people and in a small way remind people of the joy that we have in Christ Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Um, so thank you for the many ways that you partner with um, Fellowship Reform Church um, through your generosity um, and for the many ways that God is able to then take and break and bless and give our generosity for um, the advancement of his kingdom. Um, and ultimately for his glory. So with that, um, we are going to send our kids up through eighth grade um, off to um, uh, the remainder of their worship, and then the rest of us will continue in singing here. Thanks. Yes, and as we prepare our hearts to hear God's word preached, would you stand and let's make this our prayer.
Oh God, that is our prayer, that your light might shine on us, that we might be saved, that we might have life. And so as we open your word this morning, may the light of your goodness shine on us. May we be a changed people. May we be a people who enjoy sweet communion with you. And may we uh, be beacons of your light in this world. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Our scripture this morning comes from three unique little short passages. I'll read each one of them. You can follow along in uh, the Bibles underneath the chairs or your own or even on the screen. First, from Hebrews chapter one, verses one through three. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he also made the universe. The sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And then from Isaiah, his prophecy, chapter 11, verses two through three, the spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might, the spirit of the knowledge, of knowledge and the fear of the Lord and he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears. And finally, one more from John's revelation of Jesus. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning star. This is the word of the Lord. Is anyone else here a nickname person? You love to hand out nicknames or maybe you have one of your own. I remember my first nickname is one that has stuck with me for many years and it's one that's been passed down from generation to generation. It's an abbreviation, really, of our last name. Uh, Skipper is kind of goofy, so you know, you gotta make it from two syllables to one syllable and naturally, I became known as Skip in high school. We sometimes take our names and abbreviate them, and, and other times we take our names and just use the initials. We have a pastor or a former pastor, whatever you want to call him, that's around here that uh, is rarely ever known by his given name of Jim Barr and affectionately known as JB, his initials. And sometimes we make a, a mixture of those. We take an initial and we take an abbreviation of a name and we make up a new nickname, like the one that I'm still trying to work on for my esteemed colleague over here, Tierra Marshall. T. Marsh is in the house! <laughs> that one was free. Next one, you know. <laughs> those are good nicknames. They're clever, you might say, but my favorite nicknames are ones that carry with them a little story. They have even a deeper meaning and they insinuate and maybe even point to a characteristic of the person. 
Take, for instance, uh, the nickname my, our son was given by uh, his uncle Josh, uh, my brother-in-law, who, uh, when Becca was pregnant with uh, Elias, was, uh, uh, we were getting those emails, you know, that you get um, sometimes, uh, some people get nowadays, where there's like, your baby is a speck, and it has growing fingers, and your baby is the size of a you know, a seed or a watermelon or, no, I mean, not watermelon, but, you know, a, a grapefruit or whatever. <laughs> well, at the time we were with uh, Becca's family this one time, uh, she was, uh, uh, th- we found out that Elias was the size of an avocado. And so uh, Uncle Josh started referring to Elias as baby avocado. And uh, that stuck until he was born because as soon he was, well, as soon as he could eat after he was born, he fell in love with avocados and would always eat avocados. Guacamole never goes brown in our refrigerator anymore because the kid will gobble it up before it's all gone. And so now Uncle Josh affectionately known, affectionately knows Elias as avocado. Or take for instance, uh, uh, an old friend of mine, Brad Prince. He was a youth leader of mine back in, uh, when I was a high school student. Uh, and he was a great guy, but we were going on, we went on a lot of mission trips together. And on one particular trip, we were going to Honduras, which, you know, anytime you travel internationally, it carries with it a certain level of anxiety about what could happen. And so um, one of the leaders somehow was saying, don't worry, Brad Prince is a big fella. I mean, tall, wide statured. And so they're like, Brad's going to be with us. He's going to be like our guard dog. And so, you know, Big Brad Prince, the guard dog, officially became known as Big Dog. And so this is a picture of Big Dog with some of my high school buddies from back in the day. Big Dog is a fitting name, though, not just because of his stature, but because Big Dog was a loyal and lovable guy, a great friend to many. Or take, for example, my, one of my favorite, most recent nicknames. It happened on our Juarez trip down to Mexico. We were, as a group, standing in a circle with Pastor Samuel, the pastor from Juarez, uh, who knows uh, English well, but he can't speak it very well. He understands it. And so he was practicing a little bit as we were introducing ourselves. Hi, my name is Nate. And then he'd say, hello, Nate. Uh, et cetera, et cetera, going around the circle. And we got to pastor, or, or, or youth pastor, uh, Bryce Vanderstelt. And so Bryce did what everybody else did. He says, hi, my name is Bryce. Pastor Samuel paused, and he looked at him with inquisitive look, and he says, arroz? Which is Spanish, if you know Spanish, for rice. He confused Bryce and rice, and so we have to stick with, uh, Bryce is now known as arroz around here. At least he was on the Mexico trip, and you, you can uh, join with me on that. You see what I did there with sticky, you know, sticky rice, you know, sticky Bryce. Anyway, fittingly, though, like Arroz, Bryce is good with a lot of different people, and he's also kind of sticky in that many people like to be around him. Well, this Advent, we're looking at the O Antiphons, this ancient set of chantable names and prayers to Jesus on the final seven days of Advent. They're chants that have been used for hundreds, if not almost thousands of years. And they're based on some names of Jesus drawn from scripture, especially the prophecies of the coming Messiah. And they're meant to mean something, to tell us a little bit about some of the characteristics. They reveal to us some of the characteristics of Jesus. I'd like to think of the O Antiphons as a fancy way of saying they're the nicknames of Jesus. They're names based on a story in the past that stick because we see in them a little bit of who Jesus is even today. 
I kind of nerded out a little bit this week. I'm thinking about the antiphons and nicknames, and I was like, I wonder which disciple would have given uh, that nickname. So like, I, I thought about like Philip being this like really logical guy, an analytical guy. He was kind of the brainiac, uh, an evangelist to those smart Greek people. I can imagine him thinking, I'm pretty wise, I'm pretty smart, but Jesus, you are true wisdom, capital W, wisdom. Or I can think of James, the, the legalist who was bent on all these acts of faith, making sure he did the right thing at the right time, following the rules, a devout Jew, you might say, thinking, I wanna emphasize that Jesus is the root of Jesse. He comes from our tradition and he is the, 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 the best, the rooted in tradition. What do you think the name or antiphon, Peter or John or... Even Judas would have given Jesus. I think the antiphons shed light on different aspects of who Jesus is, highlighting his divinity, his majesty, his worthiness, but also maybe shedding light on how we see Jesus as well. And as we look at the antiphons this Advent season, it is our hope that they might draw us in to more communion in our life with Christ. Well, this morning, we're gonna look at the antiphon O radiant dawn, also known as O rising sun, or O morning star, or in its original Latin, O oriens. Unique to all the other antiphons, O radiant dawn illuminates a characteristic of Jesus, not in human terms like king or ruler, or even in plant terms like root or shoot, but in the image of a scene, in the image of a sunrise, now, I know that we're West Michiganders and we live right next to this beautifully stunning big lake called Lake Michigan. And when we think of uh, a sun, uh, a beautiful sun, we think of the sunset because that's what we get to go watch. And I've appreciated a couple sunsets with you. Uh, and, and this one, in fact, I even caught one of our own, Len Pallon, taking a picture of a sunrise, a sunset. And, and there's, some, there's some good worthiness. Uh, sunsets are beautiful, but there's something unique, don't you think, about a sunrise, Lately, I've come to really appreciate sunrises. And not just because I'm getting old and I wake up earlier. And it's not just because I like to do a morning run and occasionally catch one. There's something remarkable and hopeful and promising in a different way at the start of a day about a sunrise. I came to appreciate this, especially one time when I uh, stayed overnight in a boat on Pine Creek Bay. And then I woke up in the morning before the crack of dawn and I had this uh, view and it was like, oh my goodness. A sunrise is magical, different than a sunset that happens as you unwind at the end of a day. A sunrise starts your day off. It's hopeful, it's anticipatory, and like Advent, sunrise is facing forward. On this second Sunday of Advent, as we're considering Jesus as the radiant dawn, as we hold on to this nickname and the image of a sunset, or sunrise, I'm sorry, uh, I want us to consider three things. That Jesus, as our radiant dawn, shines down, shines forth, and shines brightly. First, what do I mean that the radiant dawn shines down? This is almost embarrassingly uh, obvious, but the sun, a sunrise ushers light into the darkness of our world. The light from the sun shines down on us every day like clockwork, which is to say that light comes down to us as a gift. 
completely uncontrollable by humans. It just happens every single day. Think with me a little bit about the creation story, just for a moment. Before God made the sun, before the stars and moon even existed, Genesis 1 says that God created light. And even if you're skeptical about the a scientific reading of Genesis 1, the Big Bang was an explosion of light. Light is necessary for life to exist. Without light, there is no life. There's no trees, there's no humans, there's no animals, there's nothing. Light itself is a gift that can only come from someone somewhere else. And it's not only at the beginning, but it's been sustaining us even to this day. Think about our earth and its proximity to the sun. It's the perfect distance away from that source of light for livable temperatures to exist. The earth rotates on an axis at a constant speed, the exact same speed, so that we can expect routine light day in and day out. And the tilt of the earth makes possible different seasons and different vegetation based on where you are on the earth. Without freezing and without warming, we might not even have some of the plants and fruits and vegetables that we have today. The earth is in a perfect place for life to exist because of its relationship to the light. The degree to which this is a coincidence is supremely unlikely to me. And I've come to really appreciate that even more as I read uh, our friend Roger Price's book called Faith and Physics Uncovered. In this book, he makes a claim, uh, and it's a really accessible read, that, that all of this uniqueness in creation has to point to a creator. To the degree that we recognize it or not, the radiant dawn is sustaining all of creation through the light shining down on this earth. What's curious is that that light is indiscriminately shining over all creation. The light shines on the good and the bad. The light shines on the deserving and the undeserving. The light shines regardless if we recognize it or not. Similarly, the Christ that we anticipate, the Christ we long for this Advent, came into this world for the sake of all, regardless if they recognize him, thank him, acknowledge him, live it out or not, the love of Christ was exhibited for all of humanity. Maybe our first invitation this Advent season is to once again slow down, to notice, to take a moment to appreciate all the gifts that God has given to us like a sunrise amidst all of the efforts that we make, all the ways in which we're gonna try to manufacture love and joy and peace in our families. Maybe we should pause and give God thanks for all his generosity that he rains down on us. And maybe even consider the ways in which Christ's love has been exhibited to all people, whether they recognize it or not. The radiant dawn shines down on us, but the radiant dawn also shines forth. And what do I mean by shining forth? In a trivial way, maybe it's kind of like that feeling that you've had on an overnight road trip. Has anybody ever driven down to Florida and spent the whole night in the car, you know, and you're driving from like 2 a.m. to like 5 a.m. and it is pitch black, the whole car is sleeping and you're like, wake up, I can do this, I can do this. It'd probably be better to stop. No, I, I don't need to stop, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. And, and you're just dwindling and dwindling and all of a sudden 
over to the left and a little bit farther ahead, you see this little orange glow popping over the horizon and you're like, oh baby, I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. It's a new day and I got this boost of adrenaline and I am ready to go. The radiant dawn shining forth is the hope that comes from Jesus Christ. In the words of the prophet Isaiah, when the world was at its worst, when the people of God were wandering and disobeying, when the enemy had surrounded them and they were filled with his air, Isaiah steps up and says, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Hope is not naive optimism. It's girded by faith in a God who causes the sun to rise the day in and day out. A God whose light continues to break into the darkness of our world. I find it fitting that this antiphon, O Radiant Dawn, in the final seven days of Advent is read on December 21st. Anybody know what December 21st is? It's the winter solstice, the longest day of the year. When the world is at its darkness, Christians stand up and proclaim that the light has come and the light is shining into the darkness of our world. When I think of this kind of gritty hope, this light shining into the darkness of our world, I I hearken back this week to an organization called the Parents Circle. In one of my first few months back in October of 2016, we hosted Parent Circle right here at Fellowship Church. And this is one of the only organizations, the only nonprofit, the only NGO in the entire world that doesn't want to grow, but rather would shrink. Because it's an organization made up of parents who have lost their children because they've died in the conflict in Israel and Palestine. We met two people that day, Rami, an Israeli whose daughter was killed by a Palestinian suicide bomber that had driven into his neighborhood, and George, a Palestinian whose daughter was killed by an Israeli Mossad, which is their version of the CIA. Beck and I took this picture with George and his wife because just a few months before that, we had been at George's school. He's a principal of a Christian school in Bethlehem, and a few folks from fellowship went there to host a fitness camp uh, with some of the kids that lived in his neighborhood. Parents Circle, the organization, uses their mutual, the shared mutual pain of these parents who have lost the worst, have gone through the worst of, that life can offer to build bridges of friendship between what would other be, otherwise be known as enemies. They use their grief as fuel for hope instead of violence. And it is their longing that these relationships between enemy parents might encourage their governments to find a better way forward than the loss of more and more and more life. Rami and co-founder of the parent circle, Bassam, a different Palestinian story, was captured recently in a book called A Paragon, a story of enemy friends befriending one another for a greater purpose. Amidst the darkness of their conflict and the war in their land, they seemingly refuse to turn the lights out on hope. It's the same kind of hope that stirred in a person like Anne Frank, who carried amidst the darkness her family faced during the Holocaust, these famous words when she said, it's really a wonder that I haven't dropped all my ideals because they seem so absurd and impossible to carry out. Yet I hold on to them, I keep them, because in spite of everything, I still believe that people are really good at heart. 
Rami and George, Bassam and Anne, these are expressions of the radiant dawn shining forth in our world. It was Jesus Christ who, when the people were far off at their worst, maybe, and darkness filled the earth, Christ entered in and created a path for us to return to God. We join with the prophets of old and the prophets of today whenever, amidst the darkness of our worlds, the darkness of our lives, when things seem to be grim, we return to God and take up what I'd like to call our second Advent, Advent invitation for today and pray, radiant dawn, grant us hope in the coming light of your kingdom on earth as it already is in heaven. When we call Jesus our radiant dawn, we acknowledge his sustaining power the sustaining power of Christ as the light shining down on this world, the hope of Christ as light shining forth in our world, and finally, the beauty of Christ shining brightly in our world. There's something inherently beautiful, isn't there, about a sunrise with the colors contrast as the darkness breaks away, the purple, the orange, the yellow hues that color the sky with its white clouds, Maybe it's the dew that rests on the grass or the outline of trees or mountains on the horizon. A sunrise is beautiful, not because it functionally just brings light into the darkness, not just because of what is gonna happen on later on in the day. A sunrise is simply beautiful in that moment, something to be appreciated, in awe of, to enjoy. Similarly, I think the coming of the Messiah is not just some functional or dutiful event. It's filled with beauty and splendor, with healings and parties and forgiveness and, and miracles. Something inherently, there's something inherently beautiful about it, attractive about it even, that the light of Christ shining brightly in this world is something that you want to be a part of. You can't wait to be in, in, that, in that presence. It reminds me a little bit of what happened yesterday here at Fellowship Church at the Hope Christmas Store. You know, Fellowship Church could just collect money and give it to people to buy their own gifts. Fellowship Church could just fill an empty room with nobody in it with a bunch of gifts and let people come and grab one and peace out. Fellowship Church could uh, make people wait outside and just hand them a present as they come up to the front of the door. But instead, yesterday, 70 people, 70 of us, came to try to create a warm and inviting space for people to come and encounter grace. People baked cookies and served them to people as they waited in the lobby. People brought coffee to those who were buying gifts and even shared treats with the helpers that were helping to wrap gifts. They, some people decorated and wrapped presents for those friendly strangers looking to bless their children and their parents. Fellowship Church could just functionally give things away, but instead, they were create, we were creative and created a beautiful experience, offering dignity to people as they picked out their gifts and then coming alongside of them with baskets and helping them carry their gifts around the store and even out to their cars. We could share Christ's love with a megaphone on the corner of 168th and Lakewood, or we could beautifully share Christ's love in word with our curiosity and kindness towards others and our deeds. Our third and final Advent inv invitation for today 
is to let the beauty of Christ's gracious love shine brightly in us and through our acts of love and our deeds of grace. So this Advent, as you remember, the nickname of Jesus Christ as our radiant dawn. May you be sustained through his light shining down on you. May you be overcome by the hope of his light shining forth in this world. And may you be attracted to the beauty of his light shining brightly in our church and in the greater church. All this we pray in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Friends, like encountering a sunrise after a long night. On that first Christmas, the angels sang with joy. Peace on earth, goodwill to all. Glory to the newborn king. Friends, Christ has come and Christ will come again. So in this next song, we will both celebrate that Christ was born and we will cry out with the O antiphons that Christ's light would shine upon us. Would you stand and let's sing together. Thank you. 
Friends, as you enter another week, may the light of Christ shine into your life. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forever. And all God's people said, Amen. go in peace.